Welcome to another episode of the Law Offices of Twinkle. <laughs> of Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star and Associates. Twinkle. I don't know what show I'm doing. That's your other podcast that's about hobbits. It's, it's all about it. fairies. It's all about Twinkerbell. Anyway, the Law Office. Uh, let me just start this over again. Welcome to another episode of the Law Offices of Quibble, Squabble, and Bicker on this March 23rd, 2022. We're just rolling right along right now. Um, Putin has still not vanquished Ukraine. They're holding their own quite well, which is quite surprising, honestly. Today, we're not going to be talking about that. We've got something completely different. Our client for today is singing out of the box. Behold, trapped in a hellscape of their own invention, socially unaware old white men bound by the pretense of being fake lawyers yet knowing no law, no exquisite Latin terminology, they are inexplicably compelled to quibble over minutia, squabble over triflings and bicker like those who value their backyards far too highly without even knowing the difference between an easement and an alleyway. At this very moment, you have entered the heart of the law offices of quibble, squabble, and bicker. Let's get started. Who wrote the book of love? What's the frequency, Kenneth? Where is my mind? How can you mend a broken heart? Why do birds sing so gay? When will I see you again? I sound like William Shatner. Are friends electric? For untold decades, these questions have stumped music aficionados, scientists, philosophers, alchemists, pastry chefs, scullery maids, cross-stitchers and switch hitters, beat cops and shortstops. Well, be befuddled no longer. Random Ludwig Press is proud to announce the publication of Casey Kasem's America's Top Quandary, Long Distance Education. Within its pages, you'll finally discover who are you? Who's zooming who? What's going on? What's up? Not only will this book reveal the actual retail price of that doggy in the window, we'll tell you who let the doggy out. And detailed directions on the way to San Jose. If you've ever scratched your head to these puzzlers, wouldn't it be nice to order a copy today? That's the client. Sing out of the box, right? right? Sing out of the box. Sing out of the box. All right, so this is going to be essentially a discussion about um, rock stars, country stars, pop stars, rap stars, I don't know, shooting stars who um, switched genres somewhere along the lines of their careers and either were successful or they failed miserably. It could be could be either, to be honest. Um, so, Greg, I don't know if you have any uh, ideas in terms of uh, how to begin this particular discussion. But, I think uh, there's um there's various categories. There's some guys who just experiment for an album, you know, like Elvis Costello did a full on country album in the middle when he was like a punky, sorry, not punky, new wavy pop guy. Yeah, in between his I believe fourth and fifth albums, um, he also did um, later on. He did um, you know, a lot of bands, rock stars will do jazz standards or I'm sorry, standards, not jazz standards. But I think that's a money grab. I think that like guys like Rod Stewart. They just got old and they just, so some people switch gears forever. Well, I like, think maybe with Rod Stewart, I mean, well, he may have been attracted to the great American songbook because he put out numerous albums um, of doing the old standards. 
Yeah, know. because it's sold. It's sold as the first time he sold a record in thirty years. So he's like, "Hey, <laughs> I got to go this way. I'm a VH1 guy now." <laughs> yeah, but VH3. And there's definitely money, other money grabbers, like um, certain bands that their careers on the way down, uh-huh. they can start doing kids' records if they have a kid-friendly sound. Like they might be giants. Yeah, a lot of kids' records because nobody gives a shit about them anymore. And um, this, I know it's also a weird thing too. It's not necessarily a money grab. But when I was growing up, there's all these like hardcore punk teams, total punk rock guys. And as they get older, for some reason, the genre they was going to is rockabilly. Uh-huh. So there's always so there's somebody on TikTok, Greg, who wants us to sing a song. What song? I don't know. That, they don't know that they can't Any hear song? you though. <laughs> I think so. You have to basically sing a song. me because I would have to sing something for the person on TikTok. We've got uh, one person on TikTok right now. I don't. You know. should sing for him. We have one fan. <laughs> The least we can do is... I don't know if I would call it a fan. It's just a person who happened to pop into the live stream. Um, for those of you who want to hear both of us, you have to go to our um, our YouTube channel, which is the Law Offices of Quibble, Squabble, and Bicker on YouTube, and you'll be able to see both. Wait, on my TikTok stream, I just got a message. Greg, take off your shirt. And you don't have nipples. a TikTok stream, Greg. That's I, I hacked yours. That's incorrect. They want me to take off my shirt and rub my nipples. Do they? Is that what they want? They said they're going to tip me. I think the one who wanted to sing a song is gone now because somebody else has joined and it says that we've only got one person and they're gone too. So, so back, back to zero. I know. I, I couldn't think of anything to sing. I, I can't do acapella. I have to be able to um, read lyrics. I have to do it in the karaoke way. I don't know if I like being in Ellen DeGeneres' coffee house. I don't know. I don't feel comfortable here. How did you get to Ellen DeGeneres' coffee house? It seems house? like the kind of, I don't know, fancy coffee house Ellen DeGeneres will go to. Oh, are you talking about our background on YouTube right yeah. now? Is that what you're talking about? I thought somehow in your mind you had gone to a coffee house that was <laughs> run by Ellen DeGeneres for whatever reason. So, well, you know, it, it seemed more comfortable, but your head is gigantic as well in this case. So I think it's just because you're so close. Yeah, it looks like I'm way heady. Like I'm... Well, let's put us in front of the fireplace then. How about that? Yeah. Now, back a little. Is that better? Do you feel more homey? Of the yeah, higher it's place still, it's still weird with the zoom pumpkin behind it's us. the face ratio is odd your face ratio is off anyway so so what are some of the biggest names of people who are successful whenever they change genres i'm gonna say elvis presley because he Did went we from genres? being kind of like rock and well he went from like rock and roll to kind of country-ish um easy listening type stuff that's just typical. That's selling out. That's every rock band does that. They they make songs. Every rock the, band doesn't sell out in that they, way. They make songs for the girlfriends as they get older. Everything gets mellower. Everything gets like a little more pop friendly because they want hits. A lot. Of uh, I don't. I Some mean, because Elvis was getting hits back in the day, so I don't know. Yeah. if it's the same thing. You know, doing he, he, he did like battle him of the freaking republic. I don't know if that's selling out, Craig. It probably sold a lot because he wanted another demographic. Is that, well, that's what I'm talking about. It's a different demographic. It's a different genre. You're, I know, you're but shifting. I think he still held his demographic because he still always played rock song, you know, pop rock songs. Yeah. Like even in the 70s, you know, he had Burning Love. It was a huge hit for him. Even when he was almost de- like close to his death, yeah. he still wrote rock songs. I mean, I know he had that comeback. So it's almost like he was trying to get back to his rock roots. Right. He's also doing stuff like In the Ghetto, which has right. nothing to do with rock and roll. 
Yeah, or Suspicious Minds is kind of like a countryish song. I guess. I and don't, Poke, I don't sa- Poke Salad Annie. I don't know that one. Oh, but he okay. always had some country influence. I mean, there was a lot of country in some of his ballads and stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, it could but, be his roots because he's from Tennessee initially, and yeah, it could, I mean, like he he was like more of a rockabilly than a rock and roll guy. Anyway. Yeah, he was on Sun Records, which was like some country artists on Sun Records, and but then they were kind of morphed with rock and roll. All right, well, let's look at some people who weren't at the end of their careers. So let's say Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift started as a country artist selling CDs out of the back of her car. And then along the way, got really popular as a country artist, and then suddenly became a mainstream pop artist. Because she be- wanted more money. And, but she became even huger as a mainstream pop artist. Of course. Well, it's not a of lot, course, Greg. Nobody a lot nec- of country singers People do don't that. necessarily... It's usually the other way around. No, you know? the country market is kind of... It's in as big as the pop market. Pop is basically... No, country is, country is bigger than pop. It's, no, it's not. Oh, yes, it is. No. It is. It is. It is. If you have crossover hits, if you can yeah. get that pop crowd. Yeah. But if you're just like pure country, like uh, some guy like. Um, like Waylon Jennings? And someone like him. Yeah, Waylon Jennings is never on the top. Was on the top 40 when I was a kid. He was with, uh, what was it, the theme for Dukes of Hazard? I think, yes. Wasn't he? That was a good song. Uh, but Willie Nelson did. Willie Nelson had like two mainstream hits, didn't he? Yeah, and they were like barely country. They were kind of wimpy. Ballads. Yeah, but with a voice like Willie Nelson, it's always going to be country. Because yeah. he sings through like a coffee strainer. Or crappy. Country <laughs> and or shitty. <laughs> but I see, that's what I mean. I think a lot of artists, like some artists we were talking about earlier, Tom But Blakes. I don't think Taylor Swift did it for money. I think she just wanted to go in that direction. Uh, really? She was think... making a ton of money as a country Oh, I want to do insipid country, but now I want to do insipid pop. I just call it. <laughs> I think it has to do with the insipidness of the person's personality, though. She might have wanted to, like, maybe she does, like, some of the rock guitars in her song more. Like, oh, I like that rock sound because I grew up listening. She might yeah. have grown up listening to She probably did grow up listening to Top 40. I'm sure but, she listened to all of it, you know? There's a lot but of I those, think a lot, a lot of, of those guys aren't so um, stuck in their ways they can't listen to other people forms of music yeah, yeah. you know but they have a calling i mean most artists like i'm a rock and roll i like rock and roll until they get yeah. old they stick with it then they mellow out start doing ballads would be stuff okay so I mean, like, like wayne newton i don't think he ever started out rock <laughs> he started out with donka sean yeah, yeah pronouncing it donka shane though because we're americans and we pronounce everything wrong it's funny that that guy who was essentially like a child prodigy and he and he had that that one big hit was able to parlay that into this huge career in vegas for as long as he did you know whereas other people would have be like a one-hit wonder and go nowhere you know it's just interesting how some people like can transition in that way to and it's weird that he was a child prodigy and then his whole life his face still looked like a child like, <laughs> a, like some kind of microcephalic baby face out of man's body what is the definition of the word microcephalic well he wasn't a real pinhead but it's it's um water baby <laughs> a water what's a water that's baby call him, that's what, what? he's called microcephalics I, it's like it was, I got, I've got to pull up the dictionary now because I don't. And that is probably means. not okay today. Let me just say to say microcephalic in history books it might be or water today, baby. We shouldn't call someone a water baby. 
It's not nice. All right, so, so for those of you out there who are like me, don't know what this word means, microcephalic, <laughs> microcephaly, microcephaly, I guess that's how it's pronounced, is a birth defect where a baby's head is smaller than expected when compared to babies of the same sex and age. Babies with microcephaly often have smaller brains that might not have developed properly. So we know that's not Greg because he's got a gigantic head. So, a gigantic brain. Could explain a lot of things. Right. You have like a whale's brain. Um, but I, I don't see the term water baby here, though. So water baby. I thought that's what they called you normally. No, they call me Pepsi baby. <laughs> Pepsi Bourbon baby. baby. <laughs> Whiskey baby. Yeah, I'm not seeing water baby as a um, even a derogatory term showing up. It's pretty old timey on Google. It's pretty old. That's why you know it. Yeah, I read a lot of old shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm not seeing water baby. A fetal and anasarca. Also commonly water- referred to as water baby or walrus baby is when a fetus is generalized <laughs> subcutaneous edema and fluid accumulation. I don't think that's what we're looking for. A walrus baby. <laughs> I want a walrus baby. My biological <laughs> walrus clock is ticking. And I want a walrus baby. So uh, Sanchez Eldorado has popped onto YouTube. And uh, he says he ain't nobody. And he said water-headed baby. Water-headed. So obviously I'm saying you are a water-headed baby. Hi, Sanchez. Baby. Thanks for coming on. Yes. We but thank I, I, you for being our lone follower on YouTube. Getting back to our client, I do think there's there's definitely guys who... Like, for example, even though it was one album, Elvis yeah. Costello, it was not, even if it was commercial or not, it definitely wasn't. Nobody wanted to hear an old standard country album in 1983 from a new wavy type pop guy. Well, he did that whole album with the, the string quartet, too. Yeah, yeah. Which was just freakish, yeah. you know. I, I actually really enjoyed it, but it was definitely not new wave. No. <laughs> I didn't totally like that different. album. I think that was boring as hell, but you know, I like but, the boring albums though. That a lot of people consider. I, I boring. do. So I think there's people like that, like Tom Waits, uh, famously changed in mid-career. He was pretty successful. Not, you know, not top forty, but he wrote some huge songs for other bands. Yeah, had a pretty nice career. And then he, in the eighties, he just got. He, it's like he uh, had a schizophrenic breakdown, and his music started sounding crazy and bizarre. And, and they stuck with that ever since. Isn't that when he started singing with mallets and the yeah, car radiators? And megaphones and yeah, <laughs> right. crazy sounds and like drums that were just played on a radiator, you know, or on some old oatmeal boxes. But I mean, also writing songs that were different than anything he ever wrote before, like um, yeah. screaming, crazy, like Howlin' Wolf shit. And then, but his early career, he was a, he was a singer-songwriter, typical 70s, not typical, but Right. Well, he hadn't quite drunk enough whiskey at that point, I think. I think what happened was he hadn't sufficiently pickled himself to where he could write those songs. Because his voice changed at a point, too. Because he used to have a kind of a smoother type of voice in the early days. And then it started getting rough from a lot of cigarettes and a lot of whiskey. He could always do the rough kind of rougher than most, but not like right. I mean, I think a part of that was kind of natural to his style, but um, he, but he, then he, it became very it became very pronounced. 
But to me, that is so different than someone like Taylor Swift. It's like, yeah, probably he realizes a bigger market if you have the crossover, the whole pop spectrum. Maybe she really just, I mean, because just to say pop, it's not really like, oh, she has an artistic vision. She's writing the same kind of crappy song she always did, just with less country twang and more pop sensibilities of production. But, and I'm totally speaking for ignorance. I barely know any of her songs, yeah. but I know they're crap. Sorry. <laughs> just because they have to be, because they're pop. And just like we were talking about too, like I think this whole Rod Stewart thing. But she, just... I mean, she really got huge. I mean, nobody gets that big. I mean, that big without some type of talent, you know, in terms of what they do. Well, there's people who do that too. On um, what Olivia Newton John was a country star when she first came out. She was five. Yeah, that's country. true. That is. And she became huge, even though she was just doing ballads. She wasn't really rocking out, but yeah. Was well, more... she rocked out with the Grease soundtrack. Yes. And then, and then she shot her career in the foot with Xanadu, and that was that. Uh, some great songs in there, though. It's better than physical. Well, I think that was her biggest hit of all. That was the shittiest song, and that, of course, was her <laughs> well, biggest. I, I think again, her big, biggest hits came from the Grease soundtrack, but physical was pretty yeah. huge. And I think physical was really popular because one, I mean, it was her, and another, it's like it was totally cashing in on the new fad. Jazzercise. Of- People working out at gyms, you know, it was like really big back in the way. That video, speaking as a fat man, that video is very offensive if you watch it today. You weren't a fat man then, though. Yes, I was. I was fat my whole life. You were a fat baby. You were a fat little boy is what you were. I was the biggest baby in my hospital. I told you that. You're still the biggest baby in a hospital. I know. (laughs) Unless I'm in the hospital, too. Then I'll beat you out. I was almost two feet long when I was born, and I was 11 pounds and some change. You were two feet long and 11 pounds? I held a record at my local hospital for like five years, and then some fucking bitch knocked me off. Some bitch baby. Some baby bitch. You're just like uh, pissed off that some baby was fatter than you at the hospital. Yeah, to this day, I want to meet her. That would be great if you fell in love. <laughs> what to meet her. And you may have already. It could have happened. No, I'd probably know. She'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm from your small town. I'd know. <laughs> That's right. You're from like uh, what's the name of the town? Mailback, Massaquica. No. <laughs> the Susquehanna Hat Company. No. Uh, what? That's this famous old comedy bit. Yeah, you know the inch by inch. Oh, okay. It's, Foley, it's, a, I turn. it's a a vaudeville thing. I think it's like I'm mean, still like he says, "Don't mention the Susquehanna Hat Company to me," and it keeps coming up. It's I can't understand humor from back then. It doesn't make any sense that bit. Oh, I think you probably understand it far too well. You know what really holds up is who's on first. It does. It's like it's a great hilarious. bit of uh, comic timing, you know? Yeah, yeah. It totally works. So there is one particular artist that I was thinking of that did a very successful transition from kind of mainstream pop to disco. And that was the Bee Gees. Bee Gees. Right. Yes. And the B and I don't think they did it as a cash grab. They Not did it because really. they were kind of exploring a new style of music. And it was all Eric Clapton's fault, from what I understand. How do you tell? <laughs> well, the Bee Gees were basically going through a really down time. They weren't doing well musically and what have you. And um uh Clapton had just gotten through recording 421 Rivers Riverside Avenue at this uh, place in, in Florida. And he basically talked them into going there to record their next album. And as they were there, at one point, Barry Gibb 
happened to sing a falsetto note that he didn't know he could do. And so he then decided to do an entire song like that. And then he was like, I had this golden thing happen to me that I never knew I had before, which is like this falsetto, which all of those disco songs then got sung in. And uh, that's what changed the face of music. So then Robin and Maurice had to follow suit and be like, fuck. What yeah, no, and, but Robin Robin was the one who had the real pretty voice before oh, Robin yeah. Gibb, right? And yeah. and he had to kind of take a back seat to Barry at that point. Um, I got to give Barry credit, though. He had probably some of the best hair in music history. Yeah. <laughs> that was like a mane that guy had. And it's kind of sad to see him in these later days where it's all thinned out. Well, it's also weird because it's almost hard to believe they were really brothers. Like, I think they're... Because he's well, so I, fucking I, handsome and virile, he's... A, and then the other two are just uh, they all had kind of that overbite though. Ugly. They're ugly, man. And Andy and, was a good looking guy. Yeah, yeah. You know. So it skipped. But those two <laughs> poor boys and Robin, they were like they don't even look like brothers. Yeah, but Maurice or or Mo, I think they called him, um, he did get to marry Lulu, so he had something going for him. When you have money, it doesn't matter what you look like. <laughs> it matters a little bit. Why do you think I get so many hot women? Because of all your money? Yeah, well, you're my comic like, book. You're that. Uh, they're coming after your comic book collection, Greg? It's not liquid assets, but I'm sitting on. <laughs> it's liquid like, gold. Um, it's I'm liquid like in a bottle. Scrooge. I'm like Uncle Scrooge with his they're, money. They're balls. coming for you and your alcoholism, is what they're coming for. <laughs> Some people like to fix up a guy. And here's another really interesting transition for a band. You're familiar with the band Pantera, right? Yeah. They, Pantera they started off as a hair metal band. And they changed to black metal, dark metal, heavy metal. What's that? Really much of a? I don't know. Oh, it is because think about it. I mean, imagine if Queen had done something like that. Well, Queen were like no their own genre. Queen were like the rock. I mean, they they were all over the place for the first album. Yeah, but they were basically a rock band. But they never went that type of music. That's what Pantera did. That's yeah. what Pantera changed it. It'd be like if Def Leppard did something like that, or Poison, okay. or Motley Crue. The Pantera were like that. They were like spandex. Exactly. Just... Like, and they had the hair, and then they went to they they got a new lead singer who like shaved his head, and and he sang like you know he had a goat in his throat. So a goat in his throat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. Like an actual like a goat is actually in his throat, not singing like a goat. It's like he actually ate a goat alive and it's still a little in his tiny throat. one. <laughs> no, big chunks. He didn't even was... remove the fur. He was just like piece by piece. Just just was into goat. What was his name? Phil Anselmo is the name of the lead singer. I always call that shit barking dog metal. That's what it sounded like to be just like <laughs> It is an odd form of music. I mean, like people are really into like it. it, you know, but uh yeah, I don't, I've never quite got it. And never, yeah. never quite sunk in. So, and then, um, then, then you got all those guys who started in gospel and who then went to say like Motown or that's money. Well, it's, it's, it's money. money, but at the same time, so it was a total crossing of genres because it was very hard to break out of those gospel tracks. If you had a very religious family, you know, yeah, so yeah. you had, you had to like fight to do it. I think it could have been money. But it could also have been that they were changing their personal viewpoints and philosophies. And that's why they went that way. And they brought guys yeah. like Sam Cooke is one. 
Like Sam Cooke was huge in the gospel community. Well, that's why they called it soul, because so many of those guys were gospel singers. They had that same emotive gospel sound. I think you're wrong. I think they called it soul because they they walked a lot. Because they like fish. (laughs) Right. They were pescatarians. (laughs) Yeah, I can dad joke with the the best of them, Matt. (laughs) Can you? Just because you're in your 50s, you get get to... uh, be a dad joker i do want to say i think i uh misspoke because you're right I, i'm sure it was they definitely made more money but i'm sure some of them were so annoyed of just like oh i gotta sing about jesus again oh, i don't know i mean maybe they're annoyed about that or that's no that's how, just how they started you know but i'm sure some of them were like artists who were like i'd like to sing a song about something else well it's about falling yeah. on the i mean that makes sense just in general well like ray yeah. charles you know ray charles like totally went out of it i'm sure stevie wonder probably started in uh gospel as well oh ray charles is a perfect one totally started yeah. as like an rb guy yeah. and then he became country for a long time he always had still would do like they know what i say but he, he had a lot of country albums but did he? i didn't know that yeah i didn't know he did a lot of country songs and then a one that's a little um, more current, at least to the 90s. So we have Darius Rucker from Hootie and the Blowfish, who, you know, that was a, a relatively successful pop rock band. You know, they had like, they huge like, like three, well, they had like three or four big hits. That was pretty much it. No, but I mean, those first two albums or whatever the albums that were big, they were like mega platinum. They were the biggest band in America. Right, like. but still just three to four big yeah. hits right and then they, kind of, like- then they kind of faded away and then next thing you know darius rucker pops up on the country charts a full-blown country star i mean like he does literally that wagon wheel song right yeah he covered that oh that's a cover it's I a like cover it's cover it's a cover actually i bet you don't know who originally wrote it do you greg it sounded familiar the first time i heard it though i was like it was originally created by bob dylan was that, was that one of his bootleg albums? I was or? expecting the jaw to drop. I think it came out of the movie Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. I think he like wrote it kind of for, for that movie. And it's not really that song, but then there's this band called Old Crow Medicine Show that turned it into the song Wagon Wheel, which then yeah. Darius Rucker then covered and made it even huger in his own pop country way. And it's interesting. I think it was time for Dar- for somebody like Darius Rucker to come in because there is not so many uh, African-American um, singers in country music, especially since Charlie Pride had died. So they needed a replacement. So yeah, I think that was we the whole kids, plan. There was one. There was one. <laughs> That's right. Every time you'd watch Hee Haw or something, or great, it's uh, Charlie like, Pride. They brought him out. And, uh, the one to show the that they're diverse. Black. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. They're diverse because Charlie Pride sings country music. So now Darius Rucker replaced Charlie Pride, and he'll probably grow old as a country star as well. That's kind of amazing when you think about Charlie Pride. I think he started in the 60s when they were still civil yeah. rights. Yeah. You couldn't go to hotels. So he right. was probably playing to audiences that probably hated his guts. Maybe he was like that Most Dave Chappelle people. character that thought he was like a, a white person, <laughs> the and, but he was black and he was in the Klan. Could be. I don't know. So, um, so what other? Well, actually, I think right now is a good time to uh, to move into our our cooking segment for the for everybody. So again, if you're watching this on TikTok, and right now there's nobody on TikTok watching, but um, at least for Sanchez El Dorado, he'll get to see um, the next edition of Waspy Soda Pop. So uh, as we set that up, 
it's going to be um, full-blown excitement, I believe. Full-blown. Oh, wait, I do need Full-blown. Full-blown. At Safe Mart, it's a Safe Mart. Time to Safe Mart and be safe. Safe Mart is a proud sponsor of Food is for Eating with Waspy Soda Pop. Today's special, one pound of glorious head cheese for $1.99. Come get some at Safe Mart. Be safe. Food is for eating. Food is for eating. Food is for eating with Waspy Soda Pop. Hey there, everybody. This is Waspy Soda Pop with another episode of Food is for Eating. I got a great recipe for you today. This is a family tradition. Goes back to the very first soda pop going way back in olden times. These are Waspy's Bouncing Meatballs. Here are your ingredients. Get a half an onion minced, two tablespoons of olive oil, three cloves of garlic minced, one pound of ground beef, 16 red small rubber balls to taste, one cup of whole milk ricotta cheese, one quarter cup packed chopped Italian parsley, one egg beaten, one and a half teaspoons of kosher salt, one half teaspoon of freshly ground black pepper, one pinch of cayenne pepper or to taste, one third a cup dry breadcrumbs, two tablespoons of olive oil, one 28 ounce jar of marinara sauce and a cup of water. That's all. All right, let's make them. First, you wanna saute your onion in two tablespoons of olive oil in a skillet over medium heat till the onion is translucent, about five minutes. Stir in the garlic into the onion, then turn off the heat, transfer the onion mixture to the to a large mixing bowl. Stir your ground beef, your ricotta cheese, the parsley, the egg, the kosher salt, black pepper, and the way you can tell the kosher salt is if it's circumcised. Anyway, and the cayenne pepper with onion mixture until almost combined. Stir in breadcrumbs and continue to mix until thoroughly blend. I'm having trouble talking today, everybody. You wanna stir in the breadcrumbs and continue to mix until thoroughly blended. Roll about two tablespoons of the mixture over top of one of the red rubber balls for each meatball. Meatball? <laughs> meatball! Pour two tablespoons of olive oil in the same skillet used to cook the onions. Place the skillet over medium heat. Brown the meatballs on all sides in hot oil about five minutes. Hold a crumpled paper towel in tongs. Use it to remove excess grease from the skillet. And finally, pour marinara sauce and water over the meatballs in the skillet. Stir to combine and bring to a simmer. Reduce heat to medium-low and simmer, stirring occasionally until the meatballs are cooked through and no longer pink in the center because they're red. They're red rubber balls. About 30 minutes. You know they're done when you drop them and they bounce off the floor. Don't eat that one. That's just for testing. Anyway, this has been Waspy's Bouncing Meatballs. You're going to love these. They're a little chewy, but you're going to love them. This is Waspy Soda Pop. Food is for eating. They're bouncing balls. The ingredients of that recipe were like a week shopping. Over five. <laughs> what was it in those meatballs? What was in M&M's, well, there was, there was, No, I mean, it was basic uh, ingredients. <laughs> the one different part of the meatballs is the fact that in the center of the meatball was a red rubber ball. And I think that's what makes them extra special. And probably why it was called Waspy's Bouncing Meatballs. Like on top of spaghetti? Uh, spaghetti wasn't even mentioned. Marinara sauce was mentioned, but spaghetti was, was not. To, was that a tribute to the 60s band, The Circle? With their I, no, no, I understand. Red this, this, rubber ball. Did they change genres? The, the, the band Circle? Are they called yeah. The Circle or Circle? I think, were they, that's with a Y, I think. The right, it was C-Y-R-K-L-E, I believe was the spelling for that. But uh, 
Data. I'm sure Sanchez like- Eldorado knows. He's a big fan of Waspy, he says on YouTube. The Circle were like a pop band, but then they became um, Nazi punk. <laughs> it's kind of sad. That's why they spelled their name that way, so they could get away with being Nazi punk band. <laughs> well, what about, I think a slight change of genre was Dave Grohl going from Nirvana to Foo Fighters, where he went from grunge rock to basic. Man, it seems like he just mellowed out. He I mean, kind of went, went to hair metal. Is what I think did. Nirvana was he became a hair band. If Kurt Cobain didn't die, they might have written those albums. For a second there, it sounded like you said Urkel Cobain, which would have been a completely different <laughs> band. Like if Urkel had been Kurt Cobain, if Urkel was the one who was who sang um, Smells Like Teen Spirit. Did I do that? That's but you have to, if, what's, what's the lyric from, uh, from Nirvana, from that song? Um, um an albino, a mosquito. Can I do that? <laughs> that was perfect. You did that so well. I have a very nasally obnoxious voice, just like Urkel. <laughs> nasally and obnoxious. All right, well, well, that should take us right into our next segment. And, of course, everyone loves this segment. This is uh, the segment where people get to ask Greg a question. I think I'm too sad to do this. He has an opinion, may not always be right. He's a real fake lawyer. He's old and he's white. Ask him a question, cause he's a good egg for bogus advice. Ask Greg. Ask Greg? Ask Greg! I like how your eyes were blinking in time to the music. I I wasn't planning that. (laughs) That's how good my rhythm is, I can't help it. (laughs) Your eyes are just like blinking. It's like, what's wrong with him? Why is he blinking? All right, so what's the question for Greg today? Dear Greg, if I was a country star and I wanted to be a regular pop star, what are the legal hoops I have to go through to make sure I get paid? Uh, Think carefully, Greg. Give us some good fake legal advice. Yeah, the question has nothing to do with the law. (laughs) There's there's no... um, there's, there's no reason why you wouldn't get paid. Well, I think Just it would be contract law, would it? Wouldn't it be contract? You'd have to get the proper contract. That's legal. There's, there's no contract that says you must remain a country star forever. So I'm just saying, though, but there are many other hurdles yeah. to going from country uh-huh. to... So you definitely have to throw your maggot hat away. <laughs> your maggot? Uh, you have find, a maggot hat, a hat made of maggots? No, a maggot hat. You oh, not a make America man. great again. You got to throw that shit away. You can't play Trump rallies anymore okay. because you're losing a lot of your audience. A lot of the rock, the rock audience, pop audience, yeah, skews more. Um, Unless you're pop. Ted Nugent or Kid Rock, and yeah, look at their careers. <laughs> Ted Nugent's not doing very well musically, but um, yes, for husbands. But uh, you probably have to um, start doing more drugs, mm. uh, preferably heroin. Because that's a cool drug. Is Rock it? started to do heroin. Yeah. If you want to be cool, do heroin. But and again, Nugent didn't do heroin. Well, yeah, because he's a shitty rock star. He's not very good <laughs> at it. <laughs> yeah, don't take up uh, bow hunting. If you want to be like Ted Nugent, take up bow hunting. But if you want to be a real pop star, uh, take up drugs. Um, you're going to have to dress more flamboyantly. You can't just dress in your jeans anymore. What about the guys from Weezer? Well, that's another, I'm saying major pop stars. Uh-huh. 
I was thinking pop like Taylor Swift. Britney oh, Spirit. okay. Or like uh, Kesha. Kesha, yeah. Kesha can't just be on stage with, uh, you know, dressed like Weezer. <laughs> Can you imagine if Dolly Parton dressed like uh, Kesha or Lady Gaga? God, I dream of that every night. <laughs> she's still hot, even though she's like, she's all fake. She's 96% silicon at this point. I thought you were saying but, she's 96 years old. I think she's getting there. You know, on a completely similar, not a completely different note, but a similar <laughs> note. I was thinking of Linda Ronstadt in terms of a, a genre-crossing person. Yeah. And she definitely marched to a different drum. Pardon yeah. the pun. I had to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but she started off as basically a pop rock singer, did country. Yeah. But then where she did incredibly well was in Spanish music. Yeah. Where she had like the biggest selling Spanish-speaking record in the United States. And she wasn't even... A Spanish artist, even though she actually has Hispanic roots. Yeah. Even though Ronstadt sounds like it's a German name, and it is a German name, it was her grandfather or somebody had uh, emigrated to Mexico. And so um, she was raised with Spanish music. I was watching this documentary with her where she thought that um, it was like you speak in Spanish, or you, you speak in English and you sing in Spanish or something like that. Like, that's what you're supposed to do. So but that also raised. seems like one of those uh, basically, let's call it a midlife crisis type thing, where she had no career for a long time. No, and she didn't. She was pretty solid throughout her career. Through the eighties, she had nothing. She was you, doing you country mean, music. Yeah, in the early eighties, she had she had that one what with Emily Lou Harris that was kind of big. Remember it was her, Emily Lou Harris, and Dolly Parton, which is what made me think about that. Uh, yeah, but her solo album was, was like she was gone from. She was not making much money, and then luckily she found this little. Thing. It wasn't a lucky thing. She decided to do Mexican music. She probably did, but it did seem like for you, little... it's always about the money. It's like people can't actually have a good reason to do something different. It's like because it's if, gotta be about the money. If it's it can't like... be about something that's driving them. It can't be about something that they want to do. It's gotta only be about the money. That's why Greg is in dishwashing because he did it for the money. Only the money, not because it's his art. That's because of the thing that he was. No, because I would not life. compromise my art. I would not compromise my art, and that is why I'm a dishwasher and not living off the royalties of my pop rock songs. Okay, well, I'll I'm buy kidding. that. I'm <laughs> kidding. Many punk bands have made it and made some money, but I have, I did not because I was always fucking up and drunk on stage. Now, wasn't there like a punk singer who had like uh, did a major genre crossing? Didn't Johnny Rotten do that? Kind of. I mean, it was just too, that's a, that seems like a very honest one where he just, you know, there's all those post-punk bands that got weird. Like, so many of those new wave bands of the 80s that are so wimpy and shit, they were like great punk bands like four years earlier. 78, yeah. these amazing punk bands. But then by the early 80s, it just seemed like punk was dead. Everyone wanted to explore new territory. So I just think he was like, just go beyond that simple punk because, you know, I mean, he wanted to do other things. Yeah. I don't know if it's a different genre. It's just post-punk is just basically like, oh, it's like softer. It's not as loud and aggressive. Was he the one who was in Public Image Limited or is that one of exactly. the guys from The Clash? No, that's uh, John Lydon was in. Okay. Johnny Rotten. John Lydon. But he also did, um, he did do a, one of the earliest rap singles. Because, I mean, there was rap guys since the mid-70s, but a lot of them didn't have, they were in the Bronx or something. They were poor kids. 
Oh, that could get record contracts, but he did that duet with Africa Babata. Yeah. But speaking of guys who were in punk, who went into rap, the Beastie Boys. Yes, that's a big one. You know, that was like a major genre shift. And uh, that's because they connected with Rick Rubin, the producer. Rick Rubin's the guy who um, made Johnny Cash's career come back to life back shortly before he passed. A lot of guys' career. Yeah, he did like a... Yeah, he did the Neil Diamond album as it well. It didn't work as well as Neil Diamond, yeah. No, it didn't. It didn't turn him into like a household. But Neil Diamond wasn't close to death either, I think, at the time. And I think that's where Hurt really caught on was because yeah. of, and because it was a Nine Inch Nail song. So I don't think Diamond was doing covers of other people's songs. He was just Have you ever heard that Neil Diamond's Rick Rubin album? I want to hear it now. Uh, no. But, you know, the other thing Rick Rubin did was, and this is a band that I recently, I grew to enjoy over the course of the pandemic, was the Avet Brothers, and he was responsible for one of their more very popular Oh, you sing them at karaoke, yeah. Yeah, yeah, a couple times, yeah. They're good. It's, I like their songs. Just your interpretation of them. Not, I don't know what they sound like. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. they're, they're pleasing to They're pleasing to They're the well-written ears. songs. They are. They they put their heart and their soul. In Maybe it. you're singing them better than they are. Maybe I hear them and I'm like, oh, man, it's better than this nah, shit. I'm not. Actually, one of the guys from um, from the Avett Brothers is married to or he's dating. At least he had a kid with the sister of Dexter in the show Dexter. <laughs> There's a piece of useless information for you. I kind of like her. I love that actress. <laughs> Don't know what like her name her. is. Uh, Nobody uh, does. <laughs> Nobody ever will. I, I think her husband probably does, or her boyfriend, or whatever. I, I would hope so. People who are close to them probably know what their names are. It's generally the case. Hopefully. That actually made me think of all the actors out there who I really enjoy their work, but I never learn who what their names are. You know, it's it's a very sad thing when you don't. It's go, like that guy. That you don't go out of your way to find out what somebody's name is. Like there's this one actor who I really really like, and I tell you, it took me probably ten years to finally remember his name. Um, yeah. And he's this African American actor. He's in Westworld. He's in Bond movies. And he's a lots character of actor. Is that why? He's a yeah, character? kind of sort of character actor. Not necessarily full lead, but he was a lead in Westworld um, in the show Westworld. And, uh, I mean, he played the CIA agent in the Bond movies, you know. Um, so, again, not a lead, but a major character. Yeah. Um, and uh, recently he was in uh, the newest movie from Wes Anderson, The French Dispatch. And, I saw uh, that. All right. So, it's Jeffrey Wright is the name of the actor. Wait, who's he? What is exactly. He? Right. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I love that guy. Yeah. I just saw the French Dispatch and I was like, that guy. He's great. That guy. What the hell's his name? But I don't know. I tell you, I would like see him. I'm like, oh, yeah, I really like that. Like, what's his name? And I'd, I'd watch for the credits. I'd find his name. Yeah. And then probably in like 48 hours, I'd forgotten the name again. I'm like, what the hell's wrong with me? I'm like, I'm really that old. <laughs> like, things just are not retained anymore. <laughs> that kind of I just had this great image, though, of uh, the wedding of a. Uh, Dexter's sister in real life, whatever her name is, uh-huh. when she gets married to her husband, that the priest says, "Do you take Dexter's sister to be your lawfully wedded wife?" It might have happened. Yeah, it could, it could have happened. And then and the you know, priest... Dexter comes out and kills the other brother from the Avet <laughs> brothers, so there's no competition. You know. Yes. Because <laughs> there's two Avet brothers. Or oh, there might be a third one. Is there a third? One? I don't know. Anyway, so. Um, what, so there's got to be, you know, actually the Avet brothers are 
a similar they they did switch genres as well too. They started off at least the brothers and they started off separately in rock bands, and they came together and they created it's essentially like Americana, like country ish type. Oh, music. alt country. Remember that Not genre? Quite, yeah, maybe a little alt country, but more like Americana music, you know, because yeah. they they throw the banjo in and but they also can do like rock songs um so they still kind of cross walk those genre lines i suppose yeah. you know so that yeah that'd be another one um and uh like mumford and sons too mumford and sons they were doing like this straight acoustic folk type rock music and then one of their later albums became like full-blown electric it's kind of like what they, they did a dylan thing they just went to like oh, yeah. straight electric album did people know? hate it did people say judas i think people, i don't think it sold as well as the earlier albums yeah. did you know because they were expecting more of the the jangling guitar and banjo and the one-footed drum playing and the penny whistle and the ukulele and the, right the penny whistle the the, the bagpipes right the, the hammer dulcet the harpsichord that they would bring out on occasion the lute <laughs> right what was this the instrument i just came across it was like a, a glass keyboard or something i can't remember what it was called but it's essentially the one where you go like this the, the there's a it's a it was created by benjamin franklin yeah the and, water different levels i don't know it's like and a water piano or i don't remember what it's called yeah those are, sound so those almost, almost sound like a synthesizer or a mood Slightly, the kind of eerie, eerie sounding. Or like a theremin. There's just some of that. A theremin is quite the different instrument. You know, like why isn't there like a full blown, like a fully created theremin band? You know, orchestra play different. Yes, play different types of theremins, in in their um, in a band. Like everybody had one. I saw a John Spencer Blues Explosion back in the '90s when they were a thing, and you. Every now and then, it whipped that theremin out, and it was just like watching the Sorcerer's Apprentice. Like it'd just be like, "Oh, excuse me, while I whip out this theremin." Yeah, because it's all about like how close you get to it. But he was all dramatic about it, like all like just being you know, like, and it was so cool. It was just like, it was just it was a great show. I mean, way to use the theremin for like performance purposes. It was so just great. Have you ever thought about getting a theremin for yourself? No, I would love one. I'm too, you know me, man. I'm poor. I'm the little, little well, match you, girl. I bet you could find them inexpensively at some pawn shop or something. Yeah. Because like people won't know what it is. It's like, this is like this little piece of metal sticking up and this piece of metal going this way. It's got a little knob. It's all little, little thingies. <laughs> it's tiny. They're pretty cool. It's the size of their pinky. It's like a little baby theremin. But I think there's a little there's newborn, be, little prematurely born theremin. I think, re, like a preemie. I think really, <laughs> really good artists, though. I think they do change gears. Like, you know, Dylan did a country album. Yeah. Well, he did. And then he did a Christian rock album, technically. And it oh, was kind of failed just because he became Christian. But like all the other things, it just seems like, oh, that's just like a career choice. Like, hey, this is selling big now. Like all those bands in the 60s who were like, the Beatles are out. We're going to call ourselves the Liverpoolians. And, I think know, some people style. consider that the Beatles changed genres. Yeah, they were real artists, though. I think they were following their own muse. They, like, they were doing like uh, rockabilly in the beginning, you know, and or pop songs as well. And then they went kind of psychedelic 
in the end there. They became like acid rock. Yeah, I think that's just a progression of rock at the time. You know, that was the tenor of the times. Well, but they, that, they started. That's, that's where the genre goes different, yeah. you know, it becomes like a different genre. It's it's a nuance of a overall a larger genre, you know, because yeah. you can say that all rock is pop too. You know, you could say rock music is pop music. Sure, yeah. You know, so it's it's all like sub 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 genres as things change. Yeah. You know what's really sad is in the sixties, like I loved garage. I mean not when I was a kid, but I discovered all these great sixties bands like the Sonics. This really rock and raw, rock and roll primal garage rock energy and then by 67 68 they all went psych which meant they went wimpy ah! it, 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 basically like all those great garage bands that were writing these awesome rocking dirty grungy songs like from nuggets all of a sudden they were like because the hippies were the thing it was cool to be a hippie they started writing these songs about tangerine elephants and you know, just like these wimpy psych rock songs, like, and it's just like that seemed to me like you're not really. Maybe they did drop acid and want to write that shit because that's what happened. Like the Beatles did start doing drugs and they wanted to expand their musical palettes, but some of these bands it just seemed like, dude, you were you know, so. That reminds me though, I just totally forgot about Robert Plant. So Robert Plant in recent years has been doing these duets with Allison Krauss. So he's kind of gone into country music himself. Is Alison Krauss? Cons- I was when I worked at a record store, we put her in folk. Uh, she's she's definitely country. She's definitely country. Really? But she she may be folky Americana country. You know, maybe like all yeah, yeah. country. You know, basically like, uh, real country because country is just like shitty pop with a little twang <laughs> guitar. The big country artists—it's not really country. It's not Hank Williams. There's no guys out there on the top of the chart, country charts who sound like the great old country. Well, there is one we guy still- who's kind of gone more old school and has brought kind of that old school sound back. Which guy? That's, that's uh, Chris Stapleton. Oh, is he like that? Yeah, I mean, he's got some pop sounding stuff as well, but uh, but he's gotten more of the old school sound back. That's why a lot of people like him because he's brought more of the twang back and yeah. he's got like the deep country voice, which a lot of people don't necessarily have. I remember that's how like Dwight Yoakam was all about in the 80s. Because like, by the 80s, country was pretty uh, neutered. It was pretty pathetic. It was like, you know, ready for to play Reno or Vegas. It was that kind of... Not, not even Chapman. Vegas. It's got to be Reno or Carson yeah, yeah. City. It's exactly. only good enough for Carson City. It's not good <laughs> enough for Vegas or Reno. What, what's the one, uh, the town that's like this nice Vegas for good Christian people? Where it's Provo. Like, no, no, there's a town where it's like, it's Vegas, but there's none of the sand or anything. Like, it's just like, you can gamble and you can watch shitty, you know, shows like, oh, Marie Osmond's going to sing tonight. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think you're thinking of Branson, Missouri. Yes, that's it, Branson, yeah. Not Vegas. No, but Branson is like a clean Vegas. Branson is like... I don't know that it's clean, but it's basically a place where old country stars go to die. Yeah, really bad ones. Insipid ones. I think that's where, like, uh, Barry... um, What the hell is his last name? 
Barry Williams from uh, the Brady Bunch wound up having a career. Was in Branson, Missouri. Yeah, <laughs> I could probably have a career in Branson, Missouri. You Maybe could. I don't know. I don't know if you could do, but uh, no, you could because you have a better voice. I she think that have... Joe Piscopo did as well. He had like something <sighs> in, in Branson, Missouri. That's perfect. That just makes so much sense. The one place where Joe Piscopo was considered funny, <laughs> Missouri. I think that's like where all of these Saturday Night Live um, actors who don't, who nobody heard of after they left Saturday Night Live, they all go to Branson, Missouri. Or Fox News. <laughs> Fox News? <laughs> like Dennis Miller. That uh, Dennis Miller's not on Fox News, is he? Hey, he's a, actually, I'm in it sometimes because he's a big right wing pundit. But um, yeah. oh, there's that blonde, uh, horrible Saturday Night Live alumni. Um, 80s, the shit years, mm. except for Eddie Murphy. Remember those years where it was Eddie Murphy and then all those other shit. It guys. was Eddie Murphy and Joe Piscopo. Yeah, well, Joe Piscopo just wrote his coattails, but yeah, the did. other people. And, were and totally Piscopo great. actually admits to it as well. She was, she was a blonde. But you know, but I funny. liked Tim Kazarinski. Oh, he was from SCTV. Yeah, I, I liked like. him from that show. He was great. Yeah, I mean, he was. He's apparently had a big Broadway career since he left Saturday Night Live. Really? I'm so. Yeah. I just wanted to say, like, what the fuck happened to that guy? Because you know, one day I decided to look him up, and I was like, oh, that's what happened to him. Yeah, and but he he's I, all those SCTV guys. They're yeah. they're funny. SCTV is like a good boot camp for humor. You know, and the Robin Duke was kind of funny as well. I don't know if you remember. She was, her. but I'm thinking of um, it's not an SCTV person. It's she was on Saturday Night Live, and she's but she had a little girl voice that was her little stick, like uh, Victoria Jackson. Yes, she became a whole like fucking right wing, <laughs> you know, guest appearing on Fox morning show and shit. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sad. Well, I I guess Sad. it depends Sad. if she was funny or not. She was, was she funny? funny? No, she was never funny. She was <laughs> so bad. But that that's a sign of like, yeah, of course you're going to But Fox. she but she wasn't funny. part of the group that was with Kazarinsky and Eddie Murphy, though. She came later. She was around then. Nah, she, she, she came in when Lauren Michaels had come back. Really? Yeah. Lauren Michaels hmm. was gone for like three years. Um, and uh, he came back. I think she, she might have been on when like Christopher Guest and Billy Crystal were on. No, but Eddie Murphy was on when Lauren Michaels came back. No, no. It was. No, he was, was on when year. the other guy was there. It was a shit year with no one. And there was like a couple... Then Eddie Murphy wasn't a star yet. So it was a couple of years where he was growing. Yeah. And he stayed on for a while. I mean... Okay, this is neither here nor there. <laughs> That's when Lauren Michaels changed genres. <laughs> to become a hack. He he left Saturday Night Live to do we don't know what he did for those years maybe bring kids in the hall together or something I don't know no they were That's, they were there in the nineties but uh, yeah I don't that know was a little later kids in the hall was a little later yeah they were the nineties and I thought yeah. it was nice that they allowed like one guy from Kids in the Hall to make it onto Saturday Night Live but only one guy from Kids in the Hall they should have had more than one guy yeah there. they were all better than anyone on Saturday Night Live <laughs> at the time. I don't know if they were better than everyone. I mean, there are some really talented people on Saturday Night Live. You know, any of the casts have at least one or two brilliant performers. Even the seasons that suck, you know. Not the season after, like, Belushi and Wagner left. That's, that was Charles. Well, that, was, that was Eddie Murphy. No, the first year, it was he wasn't there yet. It was, like, 
that guy Charles Rocket. Remember Charles? I think he killed. And himself, he was the didn't star. He? Didn't he commit suicide? I don't know. Charlie Rocket. Um, well, no, it was him. It was Julia Louis Dreyfus was on at that time. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> she wasn't that funny. Gilbert Gottfried was on. I think that was a year later. That's so we're like year. quibbling over a year. I guess I'm saying there was that year that was just so. It was bad. more than one year that Lord Michaels was gone. I know, but that first year there was just no one. It was just like a wasteland. And Charles <laughs> Rock—that's what I was saying. Charles Rocket was the the star. I don't know. I know. I don't know was, that he was the star. He was doing the Weekend Update though. And I think he's probably the first guy to say the word "fuck" on national TV. No way. Because remember that the You're last lying time to me the- now. They did. They did a um, who shot Jr. parody and who shot Charles Rocket. So at the end, you know when they wave goodbye to the audience at the end of Saturday Night Live. Yeah, Charles Rocket came out, and he just said, "I just want to know who the fuck killed me," and it was live, and he. That's why he didn't come back the next year. <laughs> I was. So, I, saw, I seen it with my own eyes. I seen it. So I apparently, uh, Lauren Michaels was only gone for a year. I thought yeah. he was gone for longer than that. I thought so, yeah. It was that, um, they got some guy who had nothing about comedy. I think he was from NBC Sports. Yeah, Eddie Murphy was on that year. It okay, was, but he didn't... It was Gilbert Gottfried, Joe Piscopo, Gail Mathias, Eddie Murphy, Ann Risley, and Charles Rocket, who was apparently... He was being groomed to be the new breakout star. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and then... She, she did not accept Jim Carrey, John Goodman, or Paul Rubens to join. Whoa. <laughs> she passed on them. Oh, Christine Ebersol. Is that what you're talking about? Dick Ebersol was... Uh, oh, then why'd you say she? Yeah, Dick Ebersol. She was somebody named Jean Dumanian. She was the one who hired these people. Yeah, but Dick Ebersol took over. He was from NBC Sports. He was the one who produced it. Yeah, he was from NBC Sports. Yeah. Nothing about comedy. And then Christine Ebersol was on the show, I think, a year later. And then Ebersol fired basically everybody else and left Eddie Murphy and Joe Piscopo on. I mean, I got to say, I I thought Joe Piscopo, I liked his Sinatra. Yeah. He he didn't become as obnoxious as he became. Like, he was he was kind of funny. Yeah, sometimes. he had his moments. Yeah. You know, he did a great Sinatra. You got to give him credit for that, you know. He was... He was pretty funny. Although uh, Phil Hartman kind of took it over from him later and became yeah. a better Sinatra. Yeah. And Phil Hartman was amazing. Genius. <laughs> you know? Do you know Phil Hartman was the only celebrity death in my life I've ever really felt bummed about? Like, Kurt Cobain when he died. I was already done with Nirvana, so I didn't care. You were bummed like, about John Belushi? No. Really? I was like, yeah. You didn't like I John was, Belushi? I thought he was okay. He never... Yeah. I never thought like I just thought he was like a big goof who's like, wow, this guy will do anything. He's like yeah. the, the, your friend in high school will just do anything. So you're kind of like, he's zany. But Phil Hartman was just like surgical precision comedy. Like <laughs> he thought about comedy. He his voice. I mean, look at the Simpsons. Oh shit, The Simpsons. That's the reason you should watch The Simpsons. Some of Phil Hartman's best performances are the Simpsons characters. You know, I mean, the thing is, is that there's a number of talented people on that show. It's still a cartoon, and that's the thing that it's difficult for me to get past, you know. I don't know why it's difficult for me to get past it, but it's just this thing, you know, that I got. I got got an itchy wit. 
Okay, we've gotten so far off the claim. Well, the fact of the matter is that, you know, it's basically near the end of our show. So um, what was the show? This The client was singing out of the box. And so we talked about many people who change genres. And I don't know what our point was to this conversation other than just having the conversation about it. I don't know if anybody can talk about or, or maligned or ideas because we're old and out of ideas. Because all I can do is sit here and share things to each other just to pass the time until we die. <laughs> <laughs> then that's it. Next week, we're going to, the client will be. Next week, we're dying on the show, everybody. <laughs> Next week, the client will be salves and bombs. <laughs> it's going to be a fight between Ben Gay and Biofreeze. <laughs> and we're going to talk about joints. And then it'll be a double suicide at the end. But it'll be euthanasia because uh, we'll do it to each other through Zoom somehow. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about the dropsy. <laughs> the dropsy. <laughs> On trial. Dropsy. The dropsy. Everyone gets to learn what the long-term effects of syphilis actually are. This is how we go. <laughs> Starting a podcast <laughs> with no clue. Right. Okay, well, on that note, anytime syphilis enters the room, it's time to end <laughs> things off. Yeah, way to kill the mood. We're hoping that Brendan does return one of these days. Um, we did draw on his face a little bit. But until he does, he's going to have that on his face. Because we don't want to do false advertising. Like We don't want you to come here expecting, oh, Brendan, the Fonzie of the show isn't there. It's like happy days without Fonzie. Yeah. So. He's become the Scott Bayo of the show. <laughs> No, he's, he's the Chachi now. He's become the Archie Bunker's place. Who was who was the character in the show that was always talked about but you never saw? Wasn't there somebody? Um, I don't recall. You know what I just heard is, do you remember Chuck Richie's brother from the first season on Happy Days? Oh yeah, yeah, he was he had like a brother. A, right. Yeah, he showed up in like the first episode or something. And like he's the pilot. The first Barely did anything. He'd always just be there so Richie could every night say, he took it yeah. away your car and he'd say maybe a one-liner. It's like they'd the get end, Joni, but they'd never deal with the, uh, the old... At the, at the end of the last season, there's something like a scene where Chuck is just like, he he lived in the uh, apartment over the garage where Fonzie ended up living. Oh, okay. And so well, you know, like, maybe what? he actually lived there with Fonzie. No, what happened was he walked up to the stairs, like the last time you see Chuck, he's like, okay, I'm going up to my room. And then he never came back. It's actually Happy out. Days is actually a ghost story. They never wrote him. They never brought him back. They never mentioned him. He's like he was written out of the whole thing. They never mentioned that you have a brother, Richie. Uh, Wait, has Chuck doing in Alaska, wherever he might have gone? No, they, he just walked up those stairs to like Narnia. Or it's kind of like those guys who were like the original. Um, announcers for Big Brother and American Idol and they were there for the first season and then they just disappeared and you never saw them again. But they're just announcers. So they're part of the plot. Well, they were like part of the thing. Like they were talked to and they had roles where they would speak and say stuff involved yeah. in whatever the hell was going on. So they had important jobs, so to speak. But then they were just removed and the others were kept but they were taken away. Like, I think Patton Oswald was on American Idol in the beginning. Really? And he was one of the guys who got fired. He seemed too good for that. Yeah, that's they didn't recognize. I think Joe Piscopo was a big brother. 
He was the judge or the announcer. No, it was some other guy who just kind of like disappeared after the first season. Anyway, all right. Um, well, we're going to end off. So this has been the Law Offices of Quibble, Squabble, and Bicker. We had uh, 244 likes today on TikTok, Greg. Peace out. So TikTok, we're going to say goodbye to you. I'm bringing this back. Peace out. <laughs> peace out. Yeah, no one does out. that anymore. And now we'll be uh, we'll be ending the live stream on the YouTube. So this has been the Law Offices of Quibble, Squabble, and Bicker. Our client has been singing out of the box.